0: Chapter Thirteen of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Parents have flinty hearts, no tears can move them. Otway. When Alice Bridgenorth at length entered the parlor where her anxious lover had so long expected her, it was with a slow step and a composed manner her dress was arranged with an accurate attention to form which at once enhanced the appearance of its puritanic simplicity and struck julian as a bad omen for although the time bestowed upon the toilet may in many cases intimate the wish to appear advantageously at such an interview yet a ceremonious arrangement of attire is very much allied with formality and a preconceived determination to treat a lover with cold politeness the sad-colored gown the pinched and plaited cap which carefully obscured the profusion of long dark-brown hair the small ruff and the long sleeves would have appeared to great disadvantage on a shape less graceful than alice bridgenorth's but an exquisite form though not as yet sufficiently rounded in the outlines to produce the perfection of female beauty was able to sustain and give grace even to this unbecoming dress her countenance fair and delicate with eyes of hazel and a brow of alabaster had notwithstanding less regular beauty than her form and might have been justly subjected to criticism there was however a life and spirit in her gaiety and a depth of sentiment in her gravity which made alice in conversation with the very few persons with whom she associated so fascinating in her manners and expression whether of language or countenance so touching also in her simplicity and purity of thought that brighter beauties might have been overlooked in her company it was no wonder therefore that an ardent character like julian influenced by these charms as well as by the secrecy and mystery attending his intercourse with Alice, should prefer the recluse of the black fort to all others with whom he had become acquainted in general society his heart beat high as she came into the apartment and it was almost without an attempt to speak that his profound obeisance acknowledged her entrance this is a mockery master peveril said alice with an effort to speak firmly which yet was disconcerted by a slightly tremulous inflection of voice a mockery and a cruel one you come to this lone place inhabited only by two women too simple to command your absence too weak to enforce it you come in spite of my earnest request to the neglect of your own time to the prejudice i may fear of my character you abuse the influence you possess over the simple person to whom i am entrusted all this you do and think to make up by low reverences and constrained courtesy is this honourable or is it fair is it she added after a moment's hesitation is it kind The tremulous accent fell especially on the last word she uttered, and it was spoken in a low tone of gentle reproach, which went to Julian's heart. "'If,' said he, "'there was a mode by which, at the peril of my life, Alice, I could show my regard, my respect, my devoted tenderness, the danger would be dearer to me than ever was pleasure.' you have said such things often said alice and they are such as i ought not to hear and do not desire to hear i have no tasks to impose on you no enemies to be destroyed no need or desire of protection no wish heaven knows to expose you to danger it is your visits here alone to which danger attaches you have but to rule your own wilful temper to turn your thoughts and your cares elsewhere and i can have nothing to ask nothing to wish for use your own reason consider the injury you do yourself the injustice you do us and let me once more in fair terms entreat you to absent yourself from this place till till she paused and julian eagerly interrupted her till when alice till when impose on me any length of absence which your severity can inflict short of a final separation say be gone for years but return when these years are over and slow and wearily as they must pass away still the thought that they must at length have their period will enable me to live through them let me then conjure the ellis to name a date to fix a term, to say till when? Till you can bear to think of me only as a friend and sister. That is a sentence of eternal banishment indeed, said Julian. It is seeming, no doubt, to fix a term of exile, but attaching it to an impossible condition. And why impossible, Julian? said alice in a tone of persuasion were we not happier ere you threw the mask from your own countenance and tore the veil from my foolish eyes did we not meet with joy spend our time happily and part cheerily because we transgressed no duty and incurred no self-reproach bring back that state of happy ignorance and you shall have no reason to call me unkind but while you form schemes which i know to be visionary and use language of such violence and passion you shall excuse me if i now and once for all declare that since deborah shows herself unfit for the trust reposed in her and must needs expose me to persecutions of this nature i will write to my father that he may fix me another place of residence while in the meanwhile i shall take shelter with my aunt at kirk Trua. hear me unpitying girl said peveril hear me and you shall see how devoted i am to obedience in all that i can do to oblige you you say you were happy when we spoke not on such topics well at all expense of my own suppressed feelings that happy period shall return i will meet you walk with you read with you but only as a brother would with his sister or a friend with his friend the thoughts i may nourish be they of hope or of despair my tongue shall not give birth to and therefore i cannot offend deborah shall be ever by your side and her presence shall prevent my even hinting at what might displease you only do not make a crime to me of those thoughts which are the dearest part of my existence for believe me it were better and kinder to rob me of existence itself this is the mere ecstasy of passion julian answered alice bridgenorth that which is unpleasant our selfish and stubborn will represents as impossible i have no confidence in the plan you propose no confidence in your resolution and less than none in the protection of deborah till you can renounce honestly and explicitly the wishes you have lately expressed we must be strangers and could you renounce them even at this moment it were better that we should part for a long time and for heaven's sake let it be as soon as possible perhaps it is even now too late to prevent some unpleasant accident i thought i heard a noise it was deborah answered julian be not afraid alice we are secure against surprise i know not said alice what you mean by such security i have nothing to hide i sought not this interview on the contrary averted it as long as i could and am now most desirous to break it off and wherefore alice since you say it must be our last why should you shake the sand which is passing so fast the very executioner hurries not the prayers of the wretches upon the scaffold and see you not i will argue as coldly as you can desire see you not that you are breaking your own word and recalling the hope which yourself held out to me what hope have i suggested what word have i given julian answered alice you yourself build wild hopes in the air and accuse me of destroying what had never any earthly foundation spare yourself julian spare me and in mercy to us both depart and return not again till you can be more reasonable reasonable replied julian it is you alice who will deprive me altogether of reason did you not say that if our parents could be brought to consent to our union you would no longer oppose my suit no 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 said alice eagerly and blushing deeply i did not say so julian it was your own wild imagination which put construction on my silence and my confusion you did not say so then answered julian and if all other obstacles were removed i should find one in the cold flinty bosom of her who repays the most devoted and sincere affection with contempt and dislike is that he added in a deep tone of feeling is that what alice bridgenorth says to julian peveril indeed indeed julian said the almost weeping girl i do not say so i say nothing and i ought not to say anything concerning what i might do in a state of things which can never take place indeed julian you ought not thus to press me unprotected as i am wishing you well very well why should you urge me to say or do what would lessen me in my own eyes to own affection for one from whom fate has separated me for ever it is ungenerous it is cruel it is seeking a momentary and selfish gratification to yourself at the expense of every feeling which i ought to entertain you have said enough alice said julian with sparkling eyes you have said enough in deprecating my urgency and i will press you no farther but you overrate the impediments which lie betwixt us they must and shall give way so you said before answered alice and with what probability your own account may show you dared not to mention the subject to your own father how should you venture to mention it to mine that i will soon enable you to decide upon major bridgenorth by my mother's account is a worthy and an estimable man i will remind him that to my mother's care he owes the dearest treasure and comfort of his life and i will ask him if it is a just retribution to make that mother childless let me but know where to find him alice and you shall soon hear if i have feared to plead my cause with him alas answered alice you well know my uncertainty as to my dear father's residence how often has it been my earnest request to him that he would let me share his solitary abode or his obscure wanderings but the short and infrequent visits which he makes to this house are all that he permits me of his society something i might surely do however little to alleviate the melancholy by which he is oppressed something we might both do said peveril how willingly would i aid you in so pleasing a task all old griefs should be forgotten all old friendships revived my father's prejudices are those of an englishman strong indeed but not insurmountable by reason tell me then where major bridgenorth is and leave the rest to me or let me but know by what address your letters reach him and i will forthwith essay to discover his dwelling do not attempt it i charge you said alice he is already a man of sorrows and what would he think were i capable of entertaining a suit so likely to add to them besides i could not tell you if i would where he is now to be found my letters reach him from time to time by means of my aunt christian but of his address i am entirely ignorant then by heaven answered julian i will watch his arrival in this island and in this house and ere he has locked thee in his arms he shall answer to me on the subject of my suit then demand that answer now said a voice from without the door which was at the same time slowly opened demand that answer now for here stands ralph bridgenorth as he spoke he entered the apartment with his usual slow and sedate step raised his flapped and steepled crowned hat from his brows and standing in the midst of the room eyed alternately his daughter and julian peveril with a fixed and penetrating glance father said alice utterly astonished and terrified besides by his sudden appearance at such a conjuncture father i am not to blame of that anon alice said bridgenorth meantime retire to your apartment i have that to say to this youth which will not endure your presence indeed indeed father said alice alarmed at what she supposed these words indicated julian is as little to be blamed as i it was chance it was fortune which caused our meeting together then suddenly rushing forward she threw her arms around her father saying oh do him no injury he meant no wrong father you were wont to be a man of reason and religious peace and wherefore should i not be so now alice said bridgenorth raising his daughter from the ground on which she had almost sunk in the earnestness of her supplication dost thou know aught maiden which should inflame my anger against this young man more than reason or religion may bridle go go to thy chamber compose thine own passions learn to rule these and leave it to me to deal with this stubborn young man alice arose and with her eyes fixed on the ground retired slowly from the apartment julian followed her steps with his eyes till the last wave of her garment was visible at the closing door then turned his looks to major bridgenorth and then sunk them on the ground the major continued to regard him in profound silence his looks were melancholy and even austere but there was nothing which indicated either agitation or keen resentment he motioned to julian to take a seat and assumed one himself after which he opened the conversation in the following manner you seemed but now young gentleman anxious to learn where i was to be found such i at least conjectured from the few expressions which i chanced to overhear for i made bold though it may be contrary to the code of modern courtesy to listen a moment or two in order to gather upon what subject so young a man as you entertained so young a woman as alice in a private interview i trust sir said julian rallying spirits in what he felt to be a case of extremity you have heard nothing on my part which has given offence to a gentleman whom though unknown i am bound to respect so highly on the contrary said bridgenorth with the same formal gravity i am pleased to find that your business is or appears to be with me rather than with my daughter i only think you had done better to have entrusted it to me in the first instance as my sole concern the utmost sharpness of attention which julian applied could not discover if bridgenorth spoke seriously or ironically to the above purpose he was however quick-witted beyond his experience and was internally determined to endeavour to discover something of the character and the temper of him with whom he spoke for that purpose regulating his reply in the same tone with bridgenorth's observation he said that not having the advantage to know his place of residence he had applied for information to his daughter who is now known to you for the first time said bridgenorth am i so to understand you by no means answered julian looking down i have been known to your daughter for many years and what i wish to say respects both her happiness and my own i must understand you said bridgenorth even as carnal men understand each other on the matters of this world you are attached to my daughter by the cords of love i have long known this you master bridgenorth exclaimed peveril you have long known it yes young man think you that as the father of an only child i could have suffered alice bridgenorth the only living pledge of her who is now an angel in heaven to have remained in this seclusion without the surest knowledge of all her material actions i have in person seen more both of her and of you than you could be aware of and when absent in the body I had the means of maintaining the same superintendence. Young man, they say that such love as you entertain for my daughter teaches much subtlety, but believe not that it can overreach the affection which a widowed father bears to an only child. If, said Julian, his heart beating thick and joyfully, if you have known this intercourse so long, may I not hope— it has not met your disapprobation the major paused for an instant and then answered in some respects certainly not had it done so had there seemed aught on your side or on my daughter's to have rendered your visits here dangerous to her or displeasing to me she had not been long the inhabitant of this solitude or of this island but be not so hasty as to presume that all which you may desire in this matter can be either easily or speedily accomplished i foresee indeed difficulties answered julian but with your kind acquiescence they are such as i trust to remove my father is generous my mother is candid and liberal they loved you once i trust they will love you again i will be the mediator betwixt you peace and harmony shall once more inhabit our neighbourhood and bridgenorth interrupted him with a grim smile for such it seemed as it passed over a face of deep melancholy my daughter well said but short while past that you were a dreamer of dreams an architect of plans and hopes fantastic as the visions of the night it is a great thing you ask of me the hand of my only child the sum of my worldly substance though that is but dross in comparison you ask the key of the only fountain from which i may yet hope to drink one pleasant draught you ask to be the sole and absolute keeper of my earthly happiness and what have you offered or what have you to offer in return for the surrender you require of me i am but too sensible said peveril abashed at his own hasty conclusions how difficult it may be nay but interrupt me not replied bridgenorth till i show you the amount of what you offer me in exchange for a boon which whatever may be its intrinsic value is earnestly desired by you and comprehends all that is valuable on earth which i have it in my power to bestow you may have heard that in the late times i was the antagonist of your father's principles and his profane faction but not the enemy of his person i have ever heard replied julian much the contrary and it was but now that i reminded you that you had been his friend i when he was in affliction and i in prosperity i was neither unwilling nor altogether unable to show myself such well the tables are turned the times are changed a peaceful and unoffending man might have expected from a neighbor now powerful in his turn such protection when walking in the paths of the law as all men subjects of the same realm have a right to expect even from perfect strangers what chances i pursue with the warrant of the king and law a murderess bearing on her hand the blood of my near connection and i had in such a case a right to call on every liege subject to render assistance to the execution my late friendly neighbor bound as a man and a magistrate to give ready assistance to a legal action bound as a grateful and obliged friend to respect my rights and my person thrusts himself betwixt me me the avenger of blood and my lawful captive beats me to the earth at once endangering my life and in mere human eyes sullying mine honor and under his protection the midianitish woman reaches like a sea-eagle the nest which she hath made in the wave-surrounded rocks and remains there till gold duly administered at court wipes out all memory of her crime and baffles the vengeance due to the memory of the best and bravest of men but he added apostrophizing the portrait of christian thou art not yet forgotten my fair-haired william the vengeance which dogs thy murderess is slow but it is sure there was a pause of some moments which julian peveril willing to hear to what conclusion major bridgenorth was finally to arrive did not care to interrupt accordingly in a few minutes the latter proceeded these things he said i recall not in bitterness so far as they are personal to me i recall them not in spite of heart though they have been the means of banishing me from my place of residence where my fathers dwelt and where my earthly comforts lie interred but the public cause sets further strife betwixt your father and me who so active as he to execute the fatal edict of black st bartholomew's day when so many hundreds of gospel preachers were expelled from house and home from hearth and altar from church and parish to make room for belly-gods and thieves who when a devoted few of the lord's people were united to lift the fallen standard and once more advance the good cause was the readiest to break their purpose to search for persecute and apprehend them whose breath did i feel warm on my neck whose naked sword was thrust within a foot of my body whilst i lurked darkling like a thief in concealment in the house of my fathers it was geoffrey peveril's it was your father's what can you answer to all this or how can you reconcile it with your present wishes these things i point out to you julian that i may show you how impossible in the eyes of a merely worldly man would be the union which you are desirous of but heaven hath at times opened a door where man beholds no means of issue julian your mother for one to whom the truth is unknown is after the fashion of the world one of the best and one of the wisest of women and providence which gave her so fair a form and tenanted that form with a mind as pure as the original frailty of our vile nature will permit means not i trust that she shall continue to the end to be a vessel of wrath and perdition of your father i say nothing he is what the times and example of others and the counsels of his lordly priest have made him and of him once more i say nothing save that i have power over him which ere now he might have felt but that there is one within his chambers who might have suffered in his suffering nor do i wish to root up your ancient family if i prize not your boast of family honors and pedigree i would not willingly destroy them more than i would pull down a moss-grown tower or hew to the ground an ancient oak save for the straightening of the common path and advantage of the public i have therefore no resentment against the humbled house of peveril nay i have regard to it in its depression he here made a second pause as if he expected julian to say something but notwithstanding the ardour with which the young man had pressed his suit he was too much trained in ideas of the importance of his family and in the better habit of respect for his parents to hear without displeasure some part of bridgenorth's discourse the house of peveril he replied was never humbled had you said the sons of that house have never been humble answered bridgenorth you would have come nearer the truth are you not humbled live you not here the lackey of a haughty woman the play-companion of an empty youth if you leave this isle and go to the court of england see what regard will there be paid to the old pedigree that deduces your descent from kings and conquerors a squirrel or obscene jest an impudent carriage a laced coat a handful of gold and the readiness to wager it on a card or a die will better advance you at the court of charles than your father's ancient name and slavish devotion of blood and fortune to the cause of his father that is indeed but too probable said peveril but the court shall be no element of mine i will live like my fathers among my people care for their comforts Decide their differences build maypoles and dance around them said Bridgenorth with another of those grim smiles which passed over his features like the light of a sexton's torch as it glares and is reflected by the window of the church when he comes from locking a funeral vault no Julian these are not times in which by the dreaming drudgery of a country magistrate and the petty cares of a country proprietor a man can serve his unhappy country there are mighty designs afloat and men are called to make their choices betwixt god and baal the ancient superstition the abomination of our fathers is raising its head and flinging abroad its snares under the protection of the princes of the earth but she raises not her head unmarked or unwatched the true english hearts are as thousands which wait but a signal to arise as one man and show the kings of the earth that they have combined in vain we will cast their cords from us the cup of their abominations we will not taste you speak in darkness master bridgenorth said peveril knowing so much of me you may perhaps also be aware that i at least have seen too much of the delusions of rome to desire that they should be propagated at home else wherefore do i speak to thee friendly and so free said bridgenorth do i not know with what readiness of early wit you baffled the wily attempts of the woman's priest to seduce thee from the protestant faith do i not know how thou was beset when abroad and that thou didst both hold thine own faith and secure the wavering belief of thy friend said i not this was done like the son of margaret peveril said i not he holdeth as yet but the dead letter but the seed which is sown shall one day sprout and quicken enough however of this for to-day this is thy habitation i will see in thee neither the servant of the daughter of eshbal nor the son of him who pursued my life and blemished my honors but thou shalt be to me for this day as the child of her without whom my house had been extinct so saying he stretched out his thin bony hand and grasped that of julian peveril but there was such a look of mourning in his welcome that whatever delight the youth anticipated spending so long a time in the neighbourhood of alice bridgenorth perhaps in her society or however strongly he felt the prudence of conciliating her father's good-will he could not help but feeling as if his heart was chilled in his company End of chapter thirteen